The Shop, A Tale of Frightful Incompetence, written by W.P. Thrift, read by Lantis Armstrong on Twitter. Chapter 7 Of Sins and Fathers Anyone driving through the forests on the outskirts of Cattellville thought that they were any safer than someone on foot, they were a damned fool. Any monster not faster than a car was probably too weak to bother humans anyway, and a thin hunk of metal was not going to protect anyone from the horns and teeth of the true monstrosities out there. But Bowman was ready for any obstacles. Were something to attack, he'd blow his car horn at it immediately, and that was sure to let it know that he was quite cross at it trying to murder him. Car obtained? Check. Backroom taken care of? Check. And now it's just a short drive over to Bowman's house to get his PC, Radix declared. And then to your place for food, right? Lantis asked. Radix cringed. Damn it, I was hoping everyone would have forgotten about that, he thought. Well, Radix began, we'll have to wait till after dark. I mean, at least until after my dad goes to sleep, which is like around 6 p.m. But, you know, the later the better. We really don't want to risk him catching us. So, what's so bad about your dad? Lantis was just curious. He's a hellfire and brimstone preacher. That took the practice just a little too far, Radix explained. Ah, a couple years back, he took to renaming himself Jesus and crucifying any members of his congregation he felt lived in sin. Oh, that's cool, Lantis said. Mr. Roosty told me about church stuff. If your dad's Jesus, can you walk on water or turn water into wine? Well, yes, I can, actually. But that's just incidental. My dad's not Jesus. He just calls himself that, Radix replied. I understand, Lanta said, though he totally didn't. Say, did we have to take your car back like that? You have a problem with stealing? Radix asked. No, I was just hoping to... I mean, what I meant to say, we might have seen Dash again if we'd waited, right? That's a bad idea, though. Radix replied absent-mindedly, but then it struck him. Wait, why do you want to see her? I... uh... Lantis had nothing to say. He wasn't clear on the reason himself. She doesn't even like you. She said as much a second after you met her, Radix pointed out. Well, just because someone doesn't like me, it doesn't mean we can't be friends, right? No, it definitely means you can't be friends. Lantis wasn't convinced of this, but he decided to let the subject drop. Instead, he took to looking out the back window at the sky. The white, fluffy clouds overhead turned dark black, one after the other, as though a storm were following swiftly behind them. It was just the same old shadowy creature that was always following him, though. Nothing to worry about. Much. The trees thickened as they approached the heart of the forest and blotted out the clouds. But the shadow was still there, brushing a cruel, clawed hand against the treetops never letting Lantis forget that it was only a few steps behind him. After they arrived in the trailer park in a clearing in the forest, 
Raddick's found himself suffering a slight heart attack as Bowman drove straight through all of his neighbors' yards, prompting them to hop off their rocking chairs and start blasting at him with their shotguns. To make matters worse, the dent in the front of Bowman's car hadn't been knocked out yet, so it started trapping and sucking in fence posts and small trees, like an inverted cattle catcher on a train. When they pulled up at Bowman's trailer, Raddix went ahead and jumped out to fear vomit while Bowman honked his horn to try and get all the dogs to get up and move out of his way so he could pull up into the yard and park. Inside, Raddix knew to step lively over the cans before the lurker below attacked him, and he grabbed Lantis to drag him along too, as he was unaccustomed to what it took to survive in here. Sasquatch was still lying on the couch, getting madder and madder as the VHS porno had increasingly terrible quality every time he rewound it to watch it again. I thought I done told you to bring me back some titty magazines so I didn't have to deal with this shit, Sasquatch yelled. Well, I'm sick of you banging here masturbating so loud when I'm in my room trying to masturbate myself, Bowman yelled back at his dad. Do I want to be in here? Lantis asked Radix. You get used to these things. Give it time, Radix assured him. Oh, tentacle! Step lively! Lantis didn't see the thing, but he felt it brush against his bare foot. He quickly moved the rest of the way off the cans into the clearing. Bowman shoved past him and opened up the door to his room, ushering them in quickly so he could slam it shut and shove the broken PC monitors against it to seal it closed. Welcome to Casa de Bowman, he declared to his guests. We'll be hiding out in here until dark. Lantis laid down on Bowman's sunken-in mattress and immediately fell asleep. He hadn't had such a comfortable sleeping arrangement in a very long time, and his body overruled any arguments his brain might have made about staying awake any longer. Raddick sat down on the edge of the bed and pulled his shirt up over his nose in a vain attempt to block out some small amount of nicotine in the air from reaching his lungs. You know, I probably should have warned Lantis, Raddick thought out loud. Bowman's house, a.k.a. Nicotine National Park, for every minute you stay, you lose three years off your life. Oh, that reminds me, Bowman said. I haven't had a smoke in forever. Hold on, let me just... Bowman grabbed one out of his pack and lit it up. Ah, there it is. One more minute without that and I would have died. I'm surprised you haven't already. Bowman booted up his PC for the first time in a week while Radix entertained himself by counting his brain cells dying. Miranda entered the sandwich shop and bounced over to the counter, looking up in awe at the menu. Miranda, Annabelle said, sounding delighted. What can I get for you today, darling? I, I just can't decide, Miranda said, jaw slightly agape. A BLT? A BLT with extra mayo? Or maybe not a BLT at all? Sigh. Why isn't there a store that just sells one thing so customers don't have to make up their minds about what they want? Annabelle chose to laugh, though she had no idea if Miranda was joking or not. I'll take a sandwich, Miranda began slowly, with, let's see, of all of the possible toppings. Okay, bacon. It has to be bacon. And what goes good with bacon? Lettuce, Annabelle suggested. Oh, Annabelle, stop right there. It's crazy. It's like you just read my mind. And, okay, maybe finish it all off with... Tomatoes! Miranda declared, feeling triumphant in her ability to at least nail down what's for lunch. Whew! 
Glad that's over. Oh, wait. Since I'm here, I just had a thought. Bowman's always telling me about how there's never anything to eat at the shop. So maybe I should buy them all lunch. You do entirely too much for them already, Annabelle said. Well, someone has to. They can't survive on their own, Miranda pointed out. Oh, how selfish of me. Are you hungry? I could buy you lunch, too. Annabelle genuinely laughed at that. Dear, selfish is the last word I'd ever use to describe you. Oh, but no thanks. I'd never lower myself to eat at such a rustic shop as this. Um, no offense. None taken, Miranda assured her. So what do you think the computer repair shop boys will want? Miranda nearly sunk into the floor. You expect me to be able to figure out three more orders? Annabelle knew that would be a terrible mistake. I'll just surprise you. How does that sound? Perfect. I love surprises, Miranda agreed. She tapped her toes out of an abundance of energy while Annabelle prepared the sandwiches. This moment of silence was killing her, so she asked, So, how are your parents doing? They're as uncultured as ever, Annabelle muttered, not wanting to think about it. She handed the four sandwiches to Miranda, boxed up inside of a plastic bag. They said their goodbyes, and Miranda quickly left the store and ran over to the shop, excited to see Bowman today. However, the shop was locked up tight. The sign was turned over to closed. Huh? Miranda said out loud in surprise. Hey, guys? She banged on the door. There was no answer. What are you guys doing closed up in the middle of the day on a weekday? Still no answer. She then noticed a most peculiar sight. The curtain separating the second back room was now gone, and in its place was a bunch of boards that had been nailed up to completely seal it off. This was a mystery she would have to ponder on her way back to her bread shop. Lantus awoke many hours later, his back killing him from the oddly shaped mattress. Bowman noticed him waking up and turned to offer him a plate full of meat that he had been snacking on. Lantus reached for it, but saw Radix's concerned expression. He accepted a small piece anyway, and tried to chew on it, spitting it back out quickly. It's rotten, Lantus said. Yeah, you should probably never eat the mystery meat at Bowman's house, Radix said. It's good, though, Bowman insisted. Ma's just being lazy and won't go get groceries anymore. But Dad said right after she stopped going shopping, he found a big hunk of meat in the house, and he sawed off a bunch of it to store in the fridge. He and Dylan's been living off it ever since. Lucky thing he found it when he did, Lantis agreed. Radix, not wanting to think too much about this, spoke up. So, the sun's about down. Maybe we should start making tracks over to my dad's? He'll be long asleep by the time we get there. Bowman shut down his PC and unplugged everything then lugged it all out in one giant mass of components and wires. He shoved it into the back seat of his car, and Lantis would just have to figure out a way to fit back there, along with all the other trash filling up the back. Far too soon for Radix's taste, they were pulling up the gravel driveway at his dad's house, on the opposite far end of Cattailville. It seemed like any typical picket-fenced suburban home nothing eerie about it at all. Okay, listen, Radix said before getting out of the car. 
I cannot stress this enough. Both of you have to be dead quiet inside of the house. We do not, under any circumstances, want my dad to wake up. He will murder us all. Am I clear on this? So do not make a peep. No smoking inside or even remotely close to the house either. Okay? So you'll both just have to hold out until we're long gone down the road. I farted, Bowman said. None of that shit either, Radix warned. Okay, deep breaths. Do I have to? Lantus asked. That's just me coaching myself, Radix replied. Okay, let's do this. Quietly. It was the first time sneaking around a place like this for Lantus, though it wouldn't be, by far, his last time. He was surprisingly good at it, moving his body quickly and deliberately, in such a manner so as not to disturb even the air around him. His breathing seemed to control itself, becoming very light and never inhaling as his foot touched the ground. Even the shadow that was always following him seemed to lose track of where he had gone for a moment as he became one with the darkness itself. If only he didn't reek of smoke, it was his only giveaway. Bowman, on the other hand, took one step inside the house and knocked over a stool with the lamp on it. Radix's ninja-like reflexes let him flip over Bowman and land on the other side of the lamp in time to catch it, and he gave Bowman an angry glare while putting it back in place with minimal noise. Radix's abilities unlike Lantis's, were far from natural talent. He had been quite clumsy growing up, and had worked his ass off to build up the skills he had today. Not that he could utilize even half of them right now, as he was too hungry to think straight, along with being deprived of a good night's sleep, for a while now clouding his mind and disorienting him further. But when he was at his best, it was a marvel to behold. It wasn't anything he had taken up as a hobby, it was required just to survive living with his dad for all those years. The lock on the door had been changed, so Radix's key no longer worked. Fortunately, his dad was a creature of habit, and Radix found a new key beneath a nearby potted plant. The living room was a horror show of shelves lined with porcelain dolls, their dead eyes following the trio every step they took through the house. Plastic covered the furniture in the living room they were walking through, and the plastic buzzed a bit from the A.C. blowing against it. Of everything to be unnerved by, Lantis found the A.C. to be the most distressing. He had never encountered it before, and was now worried it had become winter the moment they stepped into the house. The sound of Jesus snoring from his bedroom caused the trio to freeze for a moment, and so close to the kitchen. Radix kept going, and the rest of them figured it was safe. Jesus' room was right next to the kitchen, and they'd be passing by his door on the way to the fridge. Lantis saw the kitchen sink and shuddered momentarily, though he wasn't sure why. It was completely spotless, unlike the shop's kitchen sink. However, there were an alarmingly large number of knives next to it. He considered grabbing one, just in case but decided to leave it be. Radix opened the fridge a crack, and then had to close it quickly as Bowman dived for the food inside of it. 
He pushed Bowman back and hissed under his breath. We'll eat later! Stand down, man! But I'm hungry! Bowman said. Regular voice. Be quiet! Raddix hissed. He opened the fridge again, and Bowman exercised as much restraint as possible. However, Lantis, sneaky bastard that he was, shot a hand inside the fridge to snatch up a block of cheese without Raddix noticing. He was about to shove it all in his mouth in one go, but noticed Bowman eyeballing it, hungrily. Lantis broke the block in half, and offered half to Bowman, who nearly took his hand off he went for it so fast. They both enjoyed their cheese without Raddix noticing, while he pulled several large bowls of pasta out and placed them on the counter. He found an old pack of hot dogs in the back he figured could be salvageable, but they'd have to eat them all as soon as they thawed at the shop, as they had no refrigeration there. Come to think of it, they only had until all of this stuff spoiled to finish it all, but he was so hungry he didn't care. He felt like he could finish everything tonight by himself with a little dedication. He started handing containers of food to Bowman and Lantis, quietly warning them not to try and eat anything yet. They had all already made way too much noise. Raddix carried one large bowl of sliced vegetables, pickles, tomatoes, and various leafy greens. He at least knew that Bowman wouldn't touch that, though he had yet to assess what types of food Lantis liked. He hadn't seen Lantis eat nearly enough since they had met. Raddix did know that he liked cigarettes, however. While sneaking out of the kitchen, he couldn't help but peek into his dad's room. For a heart-stopping moment, he feared seeing his dad's eyes staring back at him. But as the darkness in the room came into focus, he could tell his dad was lying in bed, still fast asleep. Raddix abruptly froze, and Bowman ran into him, followed by Lantis running into Bowman. Raddix didn't even acknowledge this beyond steadying himself as his eyes had locked onto something in his dad's room. At the foot of the bed was a small table, and on it were two red plastic folders. They were labeled across the ends, one read Sophia, and the other read Chisato. Sophia and Chisato! My sisters! Raddix thought. They had both been sent away so long ago, and he had no idea where beyond it being separate boarding schools. They were both younger than him, so they'd still be attending high school now, Chisato just finishing her junior year, and Sophia finishing her freshman year. His dad had always been so careful to hide any information about them from Radix, and maybe now that Radix was gone from under his roof, he had gotten careless and left information about them just lying about, out in the open within those folders could possibly be the details of where they are. An address, a phone number, even better, it could contain pictures of them, letters they've sent, saying how they're doing. Couldn't be. They don't know his current address, Radix thought. Well, wait. They might have a P.O. box they could send letters to, someplace far away. One of Dad's business associates might forward it to him. That's possible, right? Radix had no idea he could be so brave, but he took a decisive step towards his dad's room. That's the wrong way, Lantis whispered, as though Radix had just gotten lost in his own house. Wait here, I gotta check something, Radix told them both, steadily inching towards his dad's room. Once he had entered his dad's room, every step was forced. 
fear swelled in his gut and sent icy daggers charging through his veins. He felt momentarily dizzy and nearly fell over onto his dad's bed, catching himself half-leaning over the face of pure evil. He could feel his dad's hot breath on his face. He forced himself back up to a proper standing stance and continued creeping over to the folders. His heart sped up even more when he first laid hand on the top folder, marked Sophia. He could never play favorites with the sisters. But gun to his head, this was definitely the one he'd prefer to find. She was just so nice. She was an angel. The far-too-kind-for-this-world type. Meanwhile, Chisato was more... Well, no use thinking about that. Radix opened the folder with Sophia's name labeled on it, and inside was... Nothing. Just three empty binders. He quickly opened the one beneath it, and an alarm immediately went off. Chisato's folder had been empty too, but he barely had a moment to realize this as he was now turned face to face with his dad's bloodshot eyes and massive veins bulging out of his forehead. The notebooks had been a trap. His dad knew that someday Radix may try and come home, and he wanted to know if and when that happened. You dare to trespass into my holy domain? Jesus demanded. You will burn in hell for this, boy! Jesus reached out for him, but Radix managed to slip past screaming at his two cohorts in the kitchen. Run! Run! The thunderous steps began behind them before they even reached the front door. Each step Jesus took sounded like an elephant stomping the ground. His legs were thick as tree trunks, after all. They needed to be to hold up his nine-and-a-half-foot-tall body of pure hate-filled muscles. In a blind panic, Bowman ended up running into one of the many shelves full of porcelain dolls knocking it over and causing the figures to shatter all over the floor. The shelf giving way made Lantis jump back in surprise, crashing into yet another shelf full of dolls. How dare you! Jesus bellowed. I damn you all to hell! And I will send you there myself! I will pray for your souls! To kick and scream the entire way down, so that I might take solace in your own awareness of the eternal damnation that is to come. Jesus tore a gigantic, ornate cross off the wall and slung it at them. They all leaped through the front door and hit the pavement just as the cross smashed through and went flying out the door. They got back up and ran to the car, Bowman dropping one of the many bowls of spaghetti he carried along the way. Forget it! Let's go! Lantis yelled when Bowman looked back for a moment. No, don't forget it! Go grab it! Radix corrected. Wait, shit, no, you're the driver. No, stop Bowman, you're too important to risk! Lantis, you go get it! Bowman went for it, and Jesus was suddenly there, one foot firmly planted on top of it as Bowman approached. Stealing from my house? 
Thou shalt not steal. He was going to say more, but then Bowman reached out with his free hand to grab Jesus by the nipple, pinching and twisting it. Ho ha, nipple pinchy, Bowman said casually. <coughs> Jesus cried out in surprise, stumbling backwards to get away. How dare you pinchy the nipples of Jesus? Bowman quickly swooped up the bowl, then ran for the car, jumping into the driver's seat and tossing the bowls of pasta onto Radix's lap before slamming the door, which caused the windshield to shatter and fall out. Then Bowman cranked up and began backing out, slowly and cautiously. Don't want to have an accident, Bowman said. Oh, fucking hurry! Raddick screamed. If there wasn't so much junk in the floor, he'd have been able to maneuver his foot over to stomp Bowman's foot and force him to accelerate. Jesus got over the stunned surprise of being nipple-pinched quickly enough, and then he stomped the ground. The earth next to him ruptured open, and a stone cross from deep underground shot out. Jesus grabbed it. It erupted into flames, and then he charged the car, ready to swing at it. Bowman hit an ant hill as he began to pull out of the driveway, and this caused the trunk to pop open, and the killer potatoes rushed forth to assault Jesus. They had no loyalties to the owner, but the car itself was their home, and they could sense it was in trouble. Biting him and lashing at him with their vines, he wasted time pulling several off his skin before he realized the car was very slowly getting away. The potato's vines tripped him as he attempted to charge again, and the burning cross fell over onto his yard, setting a huge chunk of the grass on fire. He spent way too much time tending to that yard to let it get damaged now, so he did a Hail Mary and tossed the cross towards the car. Raddick saw it coming and grabbed the steering wheel to swerve out of the way before they were hit. Jesus stomped out the grass, cursing about all the hours he had spent mowing and watering it, only for this to happen. Then he recalled the giant hole he had also left in his yard from summoning up the stone cross, and got even madder. If you ever return here again, you will burn for your sins. Jesus screamed, his eyes bulging out of his head from anger, grabbing another biting potato off his skin and crushing it into mashed potatoes in one hand. That concludes Chapter 7 of The Shop. Tune in every Tuesday for new chapters. If you'd like to reach me, you can do so at Lantis Armstrong on Twitter. That's L-A-N-T-I-S-A-R-M-S-T-R-O-N-G. And if you'd like to reach the author, you can send me your message, and I assure you he'll receive it, because we're the same person. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again for next week's chapter, The Shadow That Followed Him.